Hello everybody, this is Cody Turner. This podcast features one of my best friends in this crazy existence... Matrix? Existence? That we live in. Uzo and Duque. Uzo and I go way back. We met in fifth grade at the Rumsey Hall School. This podcast was recorded a few days ago in the middle of New York City, right at the beginning of the new year. In the podcast, Uzo and I discuss our friendship. We have a lengthy chat about artificial intelligence. We talk about the meaning of life. We don't have any existential crises, though. And then we also talk about what our resolutions are for the next upcoming year. How we're going to make ourselves better humans over the course of the next 300 or so days. So, in short, we confront the future in the Big Apple. So without further preamble, I present to you, Uzo and Duque. Welcome to Tent Talks on the Shelter from the Storm Podcast Network. A place to talk the rain away with your host, Cody Turner. Storm coming, Mr. Wayne. Yeah, and it's perfect timing. I leave for Arizona tomorrow, so it's great that we got to meet up for our annual meetups. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, this is probably the fourth year that we've met up. Uh, at the beginning of the year, so it's a great way to start the year, definitely. It's a tradition now. Uzo and I have met up at the end of each year for the past, like, four years or so. Yeah. So now it's officially a tradition. Definitely. Yo, we should talk about... Oh, no, we, have, we have a lot of things to talk about, but first, yeah. just for the listeners, because I always, like, I always need to have, like, a, a normal <laughs> conversation. You know, I don't want to be mindful of the fact that it's a podcast and there's a mic, but yeah. at the same time, I need to, like, be mindful of the listeners sometimes. Definitely. So, like, who, who are you? Oh, well, my name is... Introduce yourself to the world. My name is Uzo Nduque. Me and Cody met back when we were 10 years old at Uzo Hall. (laughs) And we've just been, you know, best friends ever since. Um, We've always kept in touch, even though I've moved over to Arizona. I always try and make uh, make a trip over and see family, of course, that's still in New York. And then try and see C-Town, B-Rad and Dino. (laughs) 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 But yeah. Um, studying at ASU, Arizona State University, so um, about to finish this year. Can't wait. Um, yeah, that's about, that's about it. Right Dude, now. it's 2019, bro. I know, it's amazing. It's 2019. It's amazing. How was 2018? 2018 was a rough year, you know. Uh, it's more just about learning about myself, you know. Made a lot of mistakes, but, you know, we're back now. So 2019 is definitely going to be... <laughs> A great year, hopefully. 2018 was definitely humbling, but um, made it out the year with, you know, all my friends and family doing very well. So, you know, that's a blessing in itself. But it was better for you, right? You like ASU a lot. Like, just uh, for those who don't know, you've been kind of moving around your entire college experience. So yeah. You, you, had, you hadn't really found a college that you really felt at home with. You started at Kansas, then you went to Arizona, then you went abroad for a little bit. So you've kind of just been moving around looking for your niche. And you kind of found that this year, at least a little bit, right? Yeah, definitely. 2018 was definitely a year that, you know, kind of got... You Sorry, know, just playing podcasts. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of... You're like, yo, why is Cody getting all formal all of a yeah, sudden? damn, dude, you told everyone my stuff. <laughs> We're gonna, we're gonna tell everyone about all your dirty little secrets. Yeah. Oh shit, it's all gonna get revealed. <laughs> but, Billions. Um, Emphasis on the B. Yeah, it's, it's been a journey, you know, it's been a process. I went over to Kansas because my mother was there finishing her last year of med school. And I was doing pre-med at the you know, time. I thought I'd be a doctor because, you know, parents 
kind of speak me into it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then um, went down to Arizona when she got a job in Phoenix. Uh, lived there for a year and a half. Then I took a study abroad trip to England, and I fell in love with that place. I thought I was going to stay there, but then, you know, things happened. My mother was sick. I came back and realized, you know, it was just a better idea just to finish my degree in Arizona. It's not like it's a bad place. It's pretty nice, but it's definitely, it's definitely been a trip for sure. <laughs> How did you settle in on health sciences? Well, going off of the pre-med, um, right. I was studying chemistry at the time. And then I took a, I got to organic chemistry and I really just had a kind of like epiphany thinking like, all right, this is something that, you know, I was really talked, not talked into, but you know, this is kind of like a path that I thought I had to follow. You know, when you have like, you know, parents that, you know, are doctors or engineers and uh, especially from you know my background they always want you to you know study and do the best you can so you know being a doctor was just one of those ways that you could you know reach that potential and for the longest time I was just kind of studying things that you know I thought they would things that would make them happy in a sense and um, I wasn't really happy you know studying pre-med so I got to the point where I was like you know I want to try out some different classes so then I took a semester I took classes in computer science, took a couple classes in business, and uh, even geology, just to try out things I was actually interested in, you know. I took a couple classes uh, when I first got to ASU at a School of Science and Exploration, and uh, that was really amazing. I took some classes in, the, in uh, astronomy, learned more about, you know, things I was interested in, like space and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, a big part of why I went to ASU, actually, is just because uh, Lawrence Cross, one of my favorite, you know, astrophysicists, yeah. was a lecturer at ASU. So, you know, I was just, you know, uh, really interested in learning more about things I was interested in in the School of Science and Exploration. But the way things ended up, I really wanted to just <laughs> graduate, you know, so um, I just finished off with uh, health sciences, kind of went back to, you know, the roots with uh starting out with pre-med and chemistry so yeah yeah but the health sciences mostly the classes i'm taking right now are just like healthcare disparities more in community health rather than just you know chemistry biology classes so it's been it's been nice you know learning more about the cultural effects of uh, the healthcare system in america rather than just you know learning you know science subjects yeah i feel like this is <laughs> we should like tell the listeners about our history Oh, sure. Like some more. Just, yeah, I feel like this is too formal. Like, you're not just another person I'm interviewing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel yeah, like we go way back. <laughs> I feel like it's too formal. I'm yeah. like, mm, and your major is health science. It's like, yo, you're like one. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. No, yo, all right. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just kind of trace our history a little bit. So you and I, we, we spent the past couple of spring breaks together. Yeah, That's definitely. Something. Oh, last spring break was great. We went over. I drove up to Los Angeles, and you flew in. And we went to see the Sam Harris uh, podcast tour. Yeah, yeah. So just to give the listeners a little bit of preview here, Uzo and I have become both mutually immersed within the intellectual dark web. Oh, yeah. Fascinating stuff. And the, the intellectual dark web is just kind of composed of a, a renegade of different intellectual figures from different fields who are kind of existing beneath the mainstream of culture. I'm just hyping this up so much right <laughs> 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 no, but So, uh, But, like, a lot of these dudes are just on YouTube 
and mm-hmm. iTunes and stuff like that. Uh, it's like Joe Rogan, Sam Harris. But you and I both started getting into these figures. And this past spring break, we both went to Hollywood. Was it your first time in Hollywood? Um, it was the second time I went once with my family when I first moved over, moved over to the West Side. Right. So um, it's my second time, but it was great. Definitely a great experience. Yeah. And we just yeah. went and we saw Sam Harris with Steven Pinker. Yep. And that was dope. And bro, that park that we went to. Yeah. There's this park in Hollywood that it was just in the Hollywood Hills. Yep. You know, think like Kardashian area yeah. <laughs> around there. Yeah. I guess I could just say the Hollywood side. I'm pretty sure we walked by. <laughs> <We're doing laughs> the Kardashian house so is low. probably more recognizable than the Hollywood side. <laughs> <laughs> think like Kardashian ballpark. <laughs> no, but it was such, it was like the, one of the most amazing parks that I've ever been to. And we went on this dope walk through yep. the Hollywood Hills. Everyone was extremely good looking. <laughs> Everyone had the nicest clothes on. Clothes on. Everyone was... It's just, all the stereotypes about Hollywood are true. Yeah, I've never felt underdressed for a hike, but that was definitely the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, you guys are hiking in sweatpants? Yeah, <laughs> so basic. What do you make, like 100k a year? Ah, <laughs> uh, ew. <laughs> no, but that was, that was an experience, bro. I definitely want to go back to Hollywood. And we kind of stumbled upon it, you know. We we have this thing where we just start walking and we stumble upon just amazing spots. Yeah. We've been really lucky, man. We have. Because that was overlooking, you know, Los Angeles as well as the Hollywood Hills, you know. And it's just such a nice day. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> Another time when we stumbled upon a random beautiful spot, I think it was, maybe it was two years ago now, mm-hmm. we were having our annual end of the year meetup. And we were just, we always walk through Central Park. Yeah, and we were just walking through Central Park, and we just happened upon this—I don't even know what to call it. It's like an outlook overlooking this lake in Central Park. Yeah, it has a name. Is this castle? But I forgot the name. Yeah, it's a castle. And we just walked up to it. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon. Nice sunny day. Mm -hmm. Birds. Maybe they were chirping. I don't know. And there was this music playing and it was just like dun 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 and it was the music literally hit the climax the moment we walked to the top of the castle and the entire landscape was just laid out in front of us it was amazing i felt like fucking simba bro on all the light all the light touches is yours type shit yeah i was on that grind and we just stumbled upon it too it was like perfectly perfectly timed yeah. We thought we timed it out, but man, it was great. Yeah. And we've also had a lot of good times in Steamboat, Colorado. Oh yeah, learning how to, relearning how to snowboard. Other than our trips in Bromley, that was probably the most times that I've snowboarded since then. Uh-huh. Right. Last spring break we went to Hollywood, mm-hmm. and then the spring break before yeah. that we went to, or no, the couple of spring breaks yeah, before two, that. Yeah, two spring breaks in a row. We went that. to Steamboat. Yeah, Steamboat, yeah. Colorado. We went snowboarding. Shout out to B-Rad. B-Rad. Uh, haven't seen him in a while since then, but I hope he's doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll let you, go. you Introduce the topic. What do you want to talk about? Um, I just kind of wanted to familiarize the listeners with our relationship. Oh yeah, definitely. And thanks for inviting me on this podcast. First time I've ever spoken on a podcast, so... It's definitely a trip. <laughs> Dude, everyone, everyone, one thing I've learned is everyone hates their own voice. Really? Pod. Yeah, including me. Well, during the testing, I, I felt pretty decent with the way my, my, my voice like, oh, sounded. Dude, I sound, I sound I dope, like, bro. Dude. That's how I sound? 
Damn, I'm fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was. I knew I was cool, but I didn't realize I was that yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, just amazing. <laughs> no, most people hate their voice, though. Yeah. No, it took me a while to get familiarized with my own voice. Um, recently, I've been taking notes, you know, speaking notes basically on my classes mm-hmm. to, you know, better understand the material. So I've kind of, in the past few months, I've been getting more used to hearing my own voice. Yeah. But definitely, first, when I first started hearing my own voice, it definitely was a trip. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, but well, the, one of the biggest things for me is when I started it, I was just too self-conscious about the fact definitely. that there was a mic there. Definitely. You know, it's just the age-old problem of me getting stuck in my own head and not sure. actually just living authentically. Yeah. But that was just amplified because there was a mic there. Yeah. You know, I would just listen to myself. I'm like, yo, you're not actually talking like you normally would. You're yeah. talking as if you know someone is listening. Yeah. And like I said, to some extent, you have to do that. You have to be mindful of the fact that it's a podcast. But the more invisible the mic can become, mm-hmm. the better. Better, yeah. I feel like. Well, I mean, like, we've... We go way back, so just this microphone is just like a, a piece in between us, but <laughs> it's really just a conversation, just like a, a ear into the conversations we usually have anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, what I, that's what I feel like a good podcast is. The listener is just kind of like a fly on the wall. Yeah, definitely. You know, It's a good way to describe it. You said you wanted to talk about AI? Yeah, so uh, what was it? Last year we were talking, we were in your car. Listening to a Sam Harris podcast, that's when you actually introduced me to Sam Harris. I think that was either last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was two years ago, 2016. Um, and uh, it was just amazing when you uh, introduced me to Sam Harris. I started listening to more of his podcasts later on and uh, read more about him and you know what he was about. And uh, one thing that popped up when I was listening to him was just his thoughts about AI. So... That was one thing you tried to explain to me last uh, winter break. Um, yeah. We got into a heated discussion because I believed that you could just turn it off. But apparently it isn't that simple. I mean, if it's a computer, I think that you just turn it off if it ever went astray, you know. Right. I, mean, I think, yeah, I remember that conversation. Yeah. I'm pretty, like, I, so I think Sam's main worry is that there... I, the way he presents it is that there are only a few assumptions that you have to buy into in order to be scared of the problem of AI, or in order to take AI sufficiently seriously, right? And the, the first is that intelligence is just a matter of information processing, yeah. which pretty much everyone agrees with who knows anything about science. Intelligence is just a matter of information processing, right? So then the next assumption is that we do not occupy the peak level of intelligence, right? We're just on an exponential curve and there are potential beings that are way more intelligent than we are, right? There are, but there are possible beings that are m- so much more intelligent to us and almost in the way that we're more intelligent than an ant, mm-hmm. right? So we're, we don't occupy the peak of intelligence. Intelligence is just a matter of information processing, right? Yeah. And then the third assumption is that we will continue to improve our technology and our machines, right? So if we just keep going, and we know that intelligence is a matter of information processing, and we create machines that are able to process information at a more efficient rate, then we will create super intelligent machines. Yeah. And once we're, so, right, so the, those three assumptions are all you need to buy into to take the possibility of super intelligence seriously. Yeah. And once you take the possibility of super intelligence seriously, then that's all you need in order to be uh, scared, right? I mean, yeah. just imagine a being that's as much smarter than us as we are smarter than an ant, 
right? It's almost incomprehensible. So you can hypothesize, you know, you can talk about locking this AI in what people call a black box, right? Where, like I said earlier, you're essentially just disconnecting the AI system from any other available sources of information, yeah. right? So it's not connected to the internet. Uh, it doesn't know how to escape the box or anything like that. You're just isolating it, so to speak. But if you're talking about a system that's that much smarter than us and that's able to work at so much more of an efficient rate that human intelligence is able to work at, then it's hard to see how we could effectively keep this thing contained, so to yeah, speak, right? Um, and there are other problems in the vicinity too. This philosopher named Nick Bostrom, he's, I'm not sure if it originates with him, but uh, he's effectively uh, posed what's called the value alignment problem. Right, so he, he gives this example of paper clips, where you create a super intelligent AI system and you give it the goal to to create as many paper clips as possible, right? Yeah, this is this is where we kind of uh, started arguing um, because the paper clip. I, I believe that if there was just a machine that was that sole you know reason of being a machine being created was to create paper clips, uh, these the people that would have created it would know how to turn it off if it went to a point where it was actually becoming destructive in its goal of creating more paper clips. Yeah, but I guess maybe an analogy, right, you could just turn, so your biggest point of skepticism yes. is the idea that we could just turn it off, yeah. right? Like no matter how intelligent the system is, no matter how powerful it is, uh, ultimately we're in control of it and we could just shoot it yeah. if we wanted to. Or just unplug it, that's much easier. Yeah, Maybe yeah. a helpful analogy would be like, it's almost as, just, as if you should conceptualize the AI system like the internet. Like, does it make sense to say that you can turn the internet off? You can't turn the internet off. Right? That's, that's one way that I've heard it presented. So it's almost, and I'm not sure how exactly that analogy holds up precisely, mm -hmm. but... I've heard that as an analogy to kind of, as a way to combat against that point of skepticism. Yeah. Like imagine trying to turn off the internet. You can't turn off the internet, it's like everywhere. So if you're dealing with a super intelligent system like the one that we're talking about, it is analogous to the internet in that regard, in the regard that... I mean, I can see where that... slippery. Yeah, I can see where that could be a problem, especially if, you know, just if we kept that analogy of the internet, if we were to create a law in America, where everyone wasn't allowed to, you know, use certain parts of the internet, but then we have other people in other countries, you know, still plugged in to parts of the internet that we wouldn't ourselves want to be plugged into. But I don't see how overall, you know, like if we have like, you know, you know, Watson or the cloud having all of our data, I don't see how them using all of our data could become destructive in a way, mm -hmm. you know, because if it's, goal is just to collect as much data as possible, I don't see how that can t in turn become destructive. Because you've already set out a goal, right, or a plan for the AI to have. It can't change the plan. But then obviously there's people like Elon Musk that believe that AI can get to a point where they actually try to outsmart the creators of it, right? So, but I still just do not believe that an AI will be able to change course, basically, to outsmart 
the creator of it. Yeah, well, I, I think the worry is not just that it might change course. I think that is one worry. But another worry is that it might follow the course that we program it to follow, but, but it's going to follow that course in a way that causes a lot of harm. Yeah. Or it's going to follow that course in a way that we don't anticipate. So oh, just okay. to close the loop on the paperclip maximizer thought mm -hmm. experiment, we give the super intelligent thing the goal to maximize as many paperclips as possible. Right? We want you to create as many paperclips as you possibly can. And it figures that the best way to create as many paperclips as possible is just to just turn all of carbon life into paperclips, right? Or take a different version of it. We give the intelligent system the goal to eliminate cancer, mm -hmm. right? We want you to solve cancer, you know, get rid of cancer. And it figures that the most efficient way to optimize that goal is to kill all human beings. No human beings, no human beings with cancer. You know, or maybe it starts to take human beings as kind of test subjects, like guinea pigs. It'll just randomly choose one human being from a population of millions and start just testing medicines on it, you know, in an extremely degrading and inhumane way to the point until it figures out what the cure to cancer is. Yeah. You know, you can imagine all these things that it'll do and these different methods that it might choose are efficient ways to accomplish the goal. Right, mm -hmm. but we forgot to tell the machine. Oh wait, no, we didn't want you. Yes, we wanted you to accomplish the goal in an efficient manner, but not necessarily the most efficient manner. If the most efficient manner entails riding roughshod over values that we hold dear, yeah. you know, we don't want it just to randomly kill human beings. Yeah. So it's like programming the machine in a way such that its values align with ours and it's harder than you might think to do that when you're dealing with a super intelligent machine whose cognitive capacities far outstrip ours. Yeah. I'm so, a little tipsy right now, so I'm trying, to, <laughs> I'm trying the best I can. <laughs> no, I definitely get it, but um, the thing is that, like, you know, for what Sam Harris fears, uh -huh. and for a certain point, you know, Elon Musk's fears, especially what he talked about when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, I just feel like that's an extreme. I feel like, you know, I showed you the Ex Machina movie where... Loved it. Where the robot, you know, ha is... Uh, oh, yeah, we know, watched it together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried to get you on that movie for a while. <laughs> I'm happy you finally saw oh, it. Oh, you succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> you succeeded. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm more worried about uh, an AI like that actually going against a creator. But in a way, sure. that's, 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 a safer, that's a safer road than what Sam Harris and Elon Musk fear. Yes. But I think actually having AI or, you know, having robots that help out humans, you know, because that's already being done in Japan for you know, some part, even though it's, you know, pretty, pretty new technology that we're still working with. We can see yeah. how that can, can uh, you know, just keep expanding, you know, at exponential rate. And then having to have laws for these AIs. I think that's a bigger problem that people need to foresee rather than the problems that Sam Harris are thinking about with the paperclip. I think yeah, yeah. actually having AI and not being aware if that AI is aware of itself, you know, an AI, an AI becoming self-aware, I think that's more of an interesting uh, thought to have, you know, something that we can actually, you know, fathom in our life, in our lifetimes. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I think that's definitely a problem too. I, I, I feel like we're talking about two different things. I'm, I'm talking about the super intelligence scenario, the kind yeah. of intelligence explosion. Right. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I can see, I, I mean, we, we talked about... Sometimes it's called the singularity. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm talking about, a singularity where there's just unprecedented explosion in intelligence that could happen extremely quickly, right? Yeah. We could wake up and suddenly there's a super intelligent entity that just exists. 
But what you're talking about is more in the realm of kind of humanoid intelligence. Yeah, definitely. Because um, when it comes to the super intelligence, you know, we talked about the computers that started creating um, languages that only they could speak, you know, and actually the Google con- yeah, connecting with each other. And then, you know, those creators pull the plug. So I feel like if there was ever a super intelligence that ran astray. But the thing is that I think where we disagree is just the magnitude of, where it, of how it could happen. Because I believe that even if something like that were to happen, we'd still be well, able to unplug it or, yeah. you know. I don't even know if we disagree, first of yeah, all. Yeah. Like, I'm just, like, these aren't original <laughs> thoughts. I'm just reiterating the thoughts of greater men. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not saying this is necessarily what I believe. I'm just yeah. saying, I'm trying to paraphrase what others have said. Yeah. You know, or try to do justice to the people that are really worried about the super intelligence scenario. But yeah, another thing that uh, people in the field have talked about, I think Sam has talked about it too, mm-hmm. is this problem with humanoid intelligence. And one worry there is that we'll just lose track of the problem of consciousness. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually a fascinating subject. Because uh, you know, I think that, I think that is possible. should be more invested in. Yeah. Because creating laws for these robots that are going to become more advanced is actually something that will need to be done before if that makes if uh, you know will need to be done before they actually are created in a way but I'm still not sure how that can be done because what kind of laws do you have in mind well think about just rights like you know how we have human rights mm-hmm. but we would have to have rights for AI especially in a humanoid form if Dude, they is... were to be self-aware because I mean there's no actual way I mean there's a test to check if uh, an AI is self-aware, I believe. Do you know the name of it? Turing test. Yeah, exactly. You know, what, what happens if, you know, an AI were to pass that test? We'd have to create laws for it, you know? Because, yeah. and then would those laws be under human rights laws? I think that's more of an interesting... That's something that I could put my mind around rather than the super intelligence, you know, the supercomputer running astray. Right. And, you know, being destructive in our life. Yeah, well... This was the topic of the recent conference I went to at Harvard. It was the 70th anniversary of the Declaration for Human Rights. Mm-hmm. And the AI conference was in celebration of the 70th anniversary. It had speakers contemplating about the possibility of giving AI systems rights. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough. There, there always is that possibility where we will create humanoid robots that have departed the uncanny valley and that look like us and that are functionally identical to us, right? So you'll create a human robot that's just talking to me and it seems as conscious as I am right now, Yeah. you know? But it might actually not be conscious. So there is that danger that we will inevitably treat these systems as if they're conscious. We'll helplessly do so because they're so, they appear so manifestly conscious, but they still might not be conscious, you know? And for me, morale, Morality is grounded in consciousness, right? So something only deserves rights. It only makes sense to speak of something as having rights if it is a sentient creature, right? So I think the Turing test, it's definitely not a necessary condition for consciousness because, I mean, obviously there are tons of non-human animals that don't speak language. So they're not gonna be able to pass the Turing test, but they're still conscious. Is it a sufficient condition for consciousness? If an AI system passes the Turing test, does that mean it's conscious? I don't know. You know? I mean, if there is an AI system that's telling me, that's talking about conscious and that's indicating that it's self-aware in some way, then I'm going to be pretty convinced. But 
one of my advisors, uh, her name is Susan Snyder, she's developing this other test right now for AI consciousness, the possibility of AI consciousness, and it has to do with neural prosthetic surgery. Okay. Um, so she calls it the chip test. And a neural prosthesis is something that can be replaced with like a brain chip, and it's functionally identical to that brain chip. So something, someone has something wrong in their brain, you can replace that part of the brain, potentially given the requisite technology, with silicon chips that are functionally identical to the part of the brain that was replaced, right? So the question is, will consciousness be preserved during neuroprosthetic surgery? And the chip test involves keeping patients awake during neuroprosthetic surgery and asking whether their conscious experience is disrupted during the surgery, right? Yeah. Um, if it's not, then it seems like artificial intelligence can be conscious, right? So I mean, the basic question is: Is there something about carbon, right? Is there something yeah, about exactly. car is there something about carbon substrate that's necessary for consciousness, like some magic about con about carbon, or is consciousness just a matter of the functional organization of the brain? And it, it doesn't matter what the substrate is that realizes that functional organization. It just matters what the functional organization is. So if you can have silicon playing that same functional those same functional roles that are su sufficient for consciousness, then maybe an AI system can be conscious. But if something about if there's something magical about carbon, then silicon just isn't going to do the trick. Exactly. So like there, you know, you can imagine devising this chip test to kind of try to approach that question. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. But um, you know, sorry, that's I feel like I've been talking for a while. No, that's fine. <laughs> this is totally fine. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think that, that that's more of a interesting pathway because I can actually see that happening in our mm -hmm. in, sometime soon, you know, where we have to have where we have to answer these questions, you know. Dude, they're already when well, my friend Amir was watching this Black Mirror the other day. It's called Metalhead. I'm not sure if you've seen it. I've seen all of Black Mirror, so you've yes, I am yeah. aware of Metalhead. <laughs> <laughs> they got those robot dogs, right? Yeah. And my, oh no, sorry, my friend, yeah, so I watched that with Amir. My friend Par was showing me the real life dogs, right? Those robot dogs in Black Mirror are based off real life robot dogs that look exactly like them. Yeah. And he was showing me the technology company that's producing these dogs. And it was extremely uncanny, bro, because like we were just talking about, these things move and act and respond to stimuli as if they're conscious, but you know they're not conscious. Yeah, and um, I think the same company created a robot that taught itself how to work, uh, how to walk. So, really? yeah. It taught itself? It taught itself how to walk from nothing. From nothing. Yeah. They didn't program. They didn't program or anything. Wow. I mean, so, and, and, you know, that's the, going back to the singularity, mm -hmm. that's kind of the reasoning that people employ in support of the singularity hypothesis, yeah. right? You develop a machine that's capable of what you might call recursive self-improvement. Right, so it can teach itself how to walk. So then if it's able to recursively self-improve in this way, you can Im imagine that just taking off at an exponential rate, yeah. hence the singularity. I mean, we've also talked about the AI for the Go program, where, it, where Go is, I guess, a Japanese game that's one of the hardest games that humans can play. And this computer, in the span of months or maybe a couple of years, was able to teach itself how to play Go at a rate that it's able to beat any human at the game. Whereas when it first started, you know, it wasn't that good. So it's come to a point where you can never actually beat that AI 
ever at Go. Right. And it's only in the span of a few months. So, I mean, we could definitely see how this could play out where, you know, certain AIs can, you know, get so far, so far advanced to where we'd ever believe it could go. But, yeah. And this is something to think about. Just another thing on that point. This is why I think we're talking about humanoid intelligence versus super intelligence. I do think, and this is, again, something that Sam has talked about and others. Again, thoughts of greater men (laughs) and women. (laughs) But I do think humanoid intelligence is an illusion. We will not, the moment we create an artificial intelligence system that has human intelligence, it will just, either that's not going to exist or it's just going to fly past that. Because like you just said, that we already have programs like the Go program that are beyond human intelligence in a particular domain. Yeah. Right? See, so if we create something that has humanoid intelligence, I'm saying we can at least program into it uh, super intelligent mathematical abilities. Yeah. Right. So in that sense, it's already not going to be human. Right. It'll have these sovereign, sovereign, whatever, you know, the word I'm looking for. It'll have those mathematical abilities. You yeah. know? So we already can create machines that in particular domains exceed human capacity. I mean, these things will outpace us, but I mean, there is, a, you know, there is a silver lining. There's something to look forward to as these AIs can actually help us in teaching, you know, new doctors, you know, in rural neighborhoods or rural places in different parts of the world, teach them how to, you know, perform surgery and things like that. So definitely good things that can come out of it, but I'm just not, I'm not a believer that all this could go south one way this uh, divide between people who are optimistic about AI and people who are kind of nihilistic is cashed out yeah. in uh, the jargon is people who are optimistic are called transhumanists. So these are people like uh, Ray Kurzweil who think that the singularity is going to be a good thing and we're going to treat, you know, we're going to defeat aging within our lifetimes. We'll be able to upload ourselves to the cloud, etc. Yeah. Then there are people who are on the more nihilistic end of things. But going back to the metalhead uh, point that you brought up, yeah. I could see how that could be a major problem as we create, you know, machines that are actually created to govern us. You know, like oh, I remember this army machines, basically. You know, mm-hmm. things that can actually go for a target. You know, if someone were to hack one of these things, you know, that could that could be really bad for us. So, I could definitely see how this could go south. But yeah, and even there are potential downsides even to the upsides. Like you said, all these AI systems can become doctors and be more efficient at uh, performing different occupations than any human could. But then there's this problem of looming unemployment, right? If we create machines that are able to do everything or able to completely take away human drudgery, then there are gonna be no more jobs left for people, right? I guess like the first wave where this could become a reality is with respect to truck drivers yeah right we're just gonna have automatic cars and all these truck drivers are going to be displaced and a lot of them don't necessarily have other skills Mm -hmm. and right so one solution to that that's been advertised is universal basic income right as you can imagine this kind of quasi-utopian society where machines have completely eliminated human work and we all have universal basic income and have all of the free time in the world just to pursue whatever creative endeavors that we want, right? But so I mean, like, so even if we solve that problem, the problem of unemployment, there is this other problem that people have talked about just concerning human meaning. Yeah. Most people derive their meaning in life from their work, 
I mean, yo, just think about it, bro. That's the first question that people usually ask you. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing with your life? What do exactly, you do? What do so you true. do? <laughs> you know, there is like anxiety-inducing question. One I know. Most. <laughs> we just, and maybe it's right. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's not. A, maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. But there is just this fact about the world that we live in that people yeah. tie who they are. Most people, not everyone, obviously. Um, but just as a society, to what they do. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. So I feel like there is this looming existential crisis on the horizon, okay. even if we get to this utopia that we want. Yeah. Well, you know, also, just in terms of the AI, and, um, you know, one thing that they can also do is just, like, use it in order to enforce laws, you know. Having AI, you know, be this invasive thing where when we're checking, you know, whatever we want on the internet, this thing just looming over us. And then also just think about like, you know, in terms of the Metalhead uh, Black Mirror episode, you know, having these things, these, these robots tracking, you know, movement across, say, our, our southern border to Mexico, you know, if we were to employ these things to, because, you know, they'll probably be more efficient than, America, uh, than uh, humans at doing the job of checking borders. You know, we could see this future where potentially you know, we're, we're hiring these bots to track down people trying to run across the border. Right. And then if that is feasible, then we'd have to create laws saying that, you know, what are these uh, beings actually able to do? You know, how far are we going to allow them to go? Right. Because are we just going to have them track down people and capture them? Or is it going to be to where the metalhead it becomes, you know, actually violent, you know. Right. So these are definitely things that are, <laughs> I mean, are very Going back to the beginning of the yeah. conversation, the control problem. You know, yeah. we don't want these things to get out of our control. But I feel like one salient question in that scenario that you just presented mm-hmm. is the question of moral, where does the moral responsibility lie? Yeah. Right? What if you have one of these bots that's supposed to track down some known killer, but it makes a mistake and it kills an innocent civilian? Who's responsible for that? Exactly. Is there a human that's ultimately making the decision for this bot? Or are we talking about a bot that is genuinely autonomous? And we can already see that these things, I mean, these things already happened. I mean, if you look at, you know, recent news about Saudi Arabia and the things that are going on in Yemen, you know, civilians being caught in the crossfire, we can just imagine if, you know, we have humans making these mistakes, you know, using the best technology available, we could definitely see how this could become a problem as well, you know? The problem really is just humans using this technology, you know, because we could always have that one person that just goes too far or puts in something that doesn't work with, you know, what we're trying to do. You know. Yeah. You know, our own morality it goes against what we believe in. Right. Yeah. But I, that's why I feel like we kind of need a human on the other side you know we don't want a human who doesn't have values antithetical to ours that's operating the machine but at the same time it seems like we would want a human that's ultimately operating the machine you know we want a, a human actor on the other side but at, at that point you know when you have so many in the field you know maybe that will create new jobs you know <laughs> having people watching over these bots running around you know our southern border or whatever you know hey, police, so I know this police ro- bots i know this because, robot took your job but we got a new yeah, one for you you can you watch, watch the robot, the robot do, do your old job yeah because i mean that robot doesn't <laughs> it can possibly move faster doesn't have to eat doesn't have to use the restroom you just have people 
zoomed in on these things, just watching them like a Skype call or something, seeing what's <laughs> going on on the other side. <laughs> but of course we don't trust you, so we also have a robot that's going to watch you, watch the robot do that job, but then a human checking that, and it's just kind of like an endless chain of command on the way up, and you're just a cog in the machine. Well, I mean, we are. <laughs> just the next level. All right, yo, let's uh, let's take a quick break, okay. and then we'll we'll shift towards a different topic. We solved the problem of AI. Yeah, we done. You're welcome, humanity. You're welcome. Yo, 2019, man. 2019. One thing I'm working on is just. Less procrastination is definitely one of them. But then also just living in the moment for a bit, you know? I feel like a lot of the focus of 2018 was just getting tasks done, you know, daily tasks. Or, and, you know, time just, like, flies by when you're, really when you're that focused on things like that. And just appreciating, you know, the people around me more, definitely. Um, being more aware and cognizant of what I'm you know, putting out there, the energy that I'm putting out there, you know. The whole concept of a New Year's resolution is like antithetical to living in the moment. It's like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm (laughs) going to do this after this. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just so, it's so mind blowing. Just once you realize that almost everyone, including myself, is never living in the moment. It's always about the next thing. Yeah. What are we going to do after this? What are we going to drink after this? Uzo? You know, what am I, when am I going to meet up with the person I'm going to meet up with later? Yeah. And to go back to podcasting, we, I feel like right this... Right now, yeah. we're in this moment right now together. You this, and I. This, this, this January microphone, 3rd, 2019. This microphone in between us, like, pulls us into the moment. You know, like... Yeah. Shouldn't we focus on, like, what each other is saying, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I feel it's, like, it's almost like people are scared to live in the moment. Yeah. You know? Because they're scared of what they might find there or something, you know? It's just like, oh, I don't have to, we're going to do this after that, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. And you always need to have a plan. But if there is no plan and we're just here existing with one another, people just freak out. It goes back to the problem of meaning with respect to AI, Mm -hmm. you know? If there's not something that you have to do, really, there's not something that you have to do, you know? You don't have to... The bills are paid, food stocked in the kitchen. There isn't any job that you have to go to. The AIs are taking care of that, and your loved ones are around you. There's nothing you have to do. What do you do then? Well, I think you know, there have been a couple you know podcasts I've listened to talking about the subject, and you know the creatives will become more creative. They'll have more time to become creative. But obviously, not everyone is a creative. You know. Some people need tasks. I like and, that creative. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, you look like plans, a creative, dude. You know, some people aren't interested in just making art, you know. Some people want to build or some people want to just drive. <laughs> and those things obviously won't be available. So, you know, for those people, I'm not sure. I know, I know that if I had, you know, unlimited time to do whatever I wanted to do, it probably just, I'd probably just end up painting and just, you know, having more of these conversations with you and other friends and family members. Um, but I think the most important part of, you know, having a job is just the structure of it, you know? For sure. And I feel like humans, we, we obviously need the structure of a job, but it's very hard for us to create a structure ourselves, you know? So I think that's going to be a major, a major issue. Yeah. 
because people are going to have to start thinking about, you know, especially, you know, older people that have been working a certain job for, you know, decades or have been in the working atmosphere, um, you know, just leaving that and just having all this free time would be extremely, extremely tough to deal with. I feel like most people will do a lot more traveling. I feel like that will be very important for people to do. Because, I mean, if you think about traveling, one of the main reasons people don't go on, like, vacations or things like that is like, oh, I don't have the time to do, you know, go to A, you know, Y or Z. You know. do, you so. think, do you think that meaning in life is contingent upon there being an end to life? This is a nice classic little philosophical question. Um, definitely, I believe so, brain. because that gives you the drive to want to accomplish things. There was, a, there was an interview that Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of my favorite people in the world, had with... Um, my, uh, what's, what's the guy's name? Uh, my teacher, Susan Schneider, she was just on his show. Oh, really? Talk. Yeah, yeah I, I watched that religiously. I love that, I love that guy. Um, but he had a conversation with one of the guys that used to be on CNN. I forget his name, Larry King. He mm -hmm. was talking with Larry King, and Larry King told him, you know, well, you know, you've seen, you've studied the infinite universe, you know. Would you ever want to live forever? Because you're never going to see the end of the universe. You're never going to see, you know, all these amazing things that, you know, you look up to and, you know, traveling the universe, traveling the galaxy, you know. We probably are not going to live to the point where maybe, if, maybe, you know, we'll live to a point where people are walking on Mars, but... Not to the point where, you know, people are having interstellar travel or something like that. So one of his questions was like, wouldn't you want to live forever so that you could see that? But then Neil deGrasse had a really interesting answer where he was like, the drive for doing all the things that I'm doing right now is the fact that I want to leave a place for the younger generations to have where they can build upon it. So even though I'm not, you know, going to see the end product of it, you know, I want to create that foundation. And because I know I'm going to die, I know that I have to work hard at it, you know, because, you know, time is limited. You know, if, if, if time was unlimited, in a sense, the drive and the focus of interstellar travel or, on, or any of those things or studying even the stars or anything like that would become less meaningful, you know? Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, I could do that later. I'm going to do this now. Whereas... Yeah, there'd be no motivation to yeah. do anything because you would have an endless... I mean, there's still things that you'd be interested do in doing, you know. The interest is still going to be there, but there's more things to procrastinate about, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, to, to answer that, his answer was no. You know, having, having you know, an end in life is important so that you know that and you have to have this drive or this focus in getting things done so that life is better for your children and the generations that come. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, that's, extremely, that's extremely important for humans. I feel like, you know, like if we didn't have this ending, you know, I don't think we'd have the same morals as we do now, you know? Yeah. Because if you think about it, most of our laws are based on the Abrahamic religions, you know? And it, yeah, the, yeah. the Christian book, you know, even Judaism, you know? So if we weren't afraid of the afterlife, a lot of us wouldn't actually follow laws, you know? People already don't follow laws. There's crime, you know? But <laughs> a life like that would be a lot worse. And actually, if we were to put it that way, I don't even think life would have progressed to the point where we're having this conversation if life was endless. We wouldn't exist because probably there would have been some, like, Vikings or something that would have just gone on a rampage 
<laughs> they would have never like had you know they would have never met with the Anglo-Saxons and started believing Christianity and yeah. all these things and then you know the English would have never traveled to different countries and <laughs> none of this basically would have been possible you know they would have never met, went to the new world and yeah. all the events that followed to have us speaking to each other I, I feel like you're right being caught the fact that there is an end of life or being cognizant of the fact that there's an end does make you a morally better person. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've found it in my own life. Like I'll just be really annoyed with my family members or something like that. And then I'll suddenly just become aware of the fact that all of us are gonna die and we're each confronted with our own personal ap apocalypse yeah. and all this is gonna end. And once you really become viscerally in tune with that fundamental truth, it's almost impossible to let petty things bring you down. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I'm just like, oh, this annoyance at my sister mm -hmm. is immediately overcome with just a recognition of the preciousness of this existence, yeah. you know? So, yeah, I feel like it's, a, it's important for life to, I mean, just because it's already so easy to become complacent, mm -hmm. you know? So if there was literally an endless amount of time, then, it would be that much easier to become complacent, yeah. easier than it already is. And it's yeah. already so easy. And it's so easy because we just have this kind of built-in understandable bias towards life. Mm -hmm. You and I have known nothing other than existence. Exactly. We didn't exist at one point, but that Not we weird. didn't exist. <laughs> you know, yeah. We only know existence, so it's easy to fall into the trap that this is... Uh, always going to continue to yeah. think that this is always going to continue without realizing like they, no that's not the truth yeah. i was talking about this with one of my friends the other day not with respect to life in general but with respect to youth yes how we young people kind of you know how they say youth is wasted on the young just yeah, kind of like definitely i've been just, thinking about that a lot actually yeah just, just kind of breaking year. that down yeah. and realizing that oh wait get, assuming that i'm going to live to old age knock on wood mm -hmm. the majority of my life is not going to be spent as a young person it just so happens that the, the totality of my life up until this point has been spent as a young person. So it's easy, given that truth, to think that I'm always going to be young because I've always been young. Mm -hmm. Just like it's easy to think that I'm always going to live because I've always been alive. Yeah. At least in so, as long as I've existed. But this thought can also go the other way where you're just so focused on, you know, this is the time to do things now that the moment kind of, of escapes you, you know? Right. We're so focused on getting A, B, C done, you know, that, you know, that time in between those points just kind of fades away and you don't really get to, you know, in, just enjoy those moments, you know. So, especially with this trip over here, you know, it's always a nice, it's always nice to have the ability to fly and see family, especially back here in New York. So, whenever I come here for Christmas and, you know, New Year's Eve and things like that, it just, like, it just brings back the thought that, you know, Hey, this is this is important right now. The family time, having time with your family or with your friends, you know, it's extremely important because there's going to be one day that you're going to wake up and that's not going to actually be there, you know. Yeah. Or you're just going to be so you're just going to be so focused on something else that you're not going to really have the time to, you know, enjoy with your family like this. So, yeah. Yeah, to go back to, you know, New Year's resolutions, 2019, that's all I'm focused about is just living in the you moment. know, living in the moment, um, enjoying what, even you know because you know there's going to be hardships this year for sure you know we can never tell what's going to happen in the future but just to be happy right now i think that's really important you know and just try to stay positive you know 
And we just live at such an exciting moment in human history. Too. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we have the ability to talk about this. I mean, think about all the generations that came before us that wouldn't even have the free time to speak about random things like AI. <laughs> We'd be busy working in chimneys or something. <laughs> Chimney sweeps. <laughs> but what is your, uh, your New Year's resolution? I never found out. Um, I, I want to start cooking. Cooking, okay. Yeah. I definitely want to start cooking. And you know, the same, the regular shit that people yeah. usually write down the list. Work out more. <laughs> Work out more. Be a better person. Make more money. <laughs> definitely be more present, like you were saying too. Yeah. You know, I was just like, I was working on a paper the other day and everyone, all my, when I was around all my family, you know, and I just had that insight that, why are you working on the paper right now? Like life's happening right now. Like enjoy your family, yeah. you know? I just feel like that is one of the most tragic facts about human existence. Just how quickly we get used to things. Oh yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. And it can, it, it can be for good or for worse. Mm -hmm. Like the people at the Nazi internment camps, they got used to that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I've gotten used to every good thing that's ever happened to me, yeah. you know? I got used to being in a relationship and being in love, you know? And then, it's just so, you know, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. It's so true. Or just when you get sick. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's like, oh my God. Think about all I those forgot thoughts how I... amazing it is to be sober. <laughs> exactly. Just to be sober. All those times I could actually, you know, doesn't have to be a buzz. Just, just <laughs> sober. Without a clogged nose or, you know. Just not, not sick. Life without this sore throat, you yeah. know. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, how did I ever fucking take this for granted? Yeah. You know, and I just, I do feel like living in the present is the best path to not taking things for granted, you know. And I try, I try to do that. I try to be viscerally aware of the fact that you and I are young right now, Uzo. Yeah. We're still young, you know. We've always been young and we're still young and we're not always going to be young, Uzo, you know. But, you know, but you can use that. So it's like a tragic fundamental fact about human existence, but you can use it in a good way as well, you know, because for instance, you can get really used to a really hard workout routine, yeah. you know, because you get used to it. <laughs> you know, if you run five miles every day and you lift every single day, you will get used to that routine. I feel like this whole game that we're in, this whole game, this whole matrix that we're in, it's, it's all about mental momentum. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and you can get the mental momentum swinging in a bad direction or swinging in a good direction. Definitely. You know, and I feel like I'm constantly just trying to get the wheel rolling again. And I'm just trying to fucking drive, man. I just want to drive. Yeah. I'm tired of stopping. <laughs> I'm tired of taking breaks. But you know, the, that, that's the thing. That's what life is. You know, you're constantly stopping and starting, you know. So the point is not to get mad at the fact that, you know, oh man, you know, I wasted all those days, you know past week I wasn't doing anything you know productive but hey I could start now you know I could do this one thing right now yeah and then change you know my future week my upcoming week I think that's also important you know and yeah, that's right. what that's one thing I'm definitely gonna be more uh, involved in and more aware of this upcoming year definitely that's one thing I'm definitely gonna work on yeah just realizing that life's a process because you could easily get stuck in those thoughts oh you, know? you could so oh, easily get so stuck easily in you know Especially a lot of 2018, man. When a lot of I, it, I, I look back and I was like, whoa, look at all these months that I was just so, you know, just so afraid or just so worried about certain things. 
And, you know, the interesting thing is that, like, none of those things actually happened the way I thought they would. Yeah. You know, you know none of those, you know, negative thoughts, you know, of, you know, what, what if this happens? What if that happens? Maybe I should do this. Maybe I shouldn't. You know, it never... <laughs> goes the way that you you would have feared. So in it's essence, all just you wasted in your those mind. time. Yeah, those 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 minutes or seconds. Yeah, you wasted those. Uh, yeah. you know, that time. So it's literally all just in your mind. Like your mentality really does define your reality. Yeah. You know. And it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. That's why I think it's so important that we have like <laughs> these walks like through like Central Park or you know steamboat or whatever because you're just so you know you just look up and you're just like oh what am, what am i worrying about you know you see this amazing uh, park where there's thousands of people walking around yeah you're in nature you know but there's skyscrapers all around and you're just like what am i worried about right now <laughs> you know like there's so much beauty to behold i know why am i stuck in this thought that you know this this and this might happen you know what if this and this person thought this you know I don't, it's, it's all just thinking. So much of the suffering that people undergo on a daily basis is just self-manufactured. But the sad thing is that, you know, like, especially our generation that's so involved with social media and things like that, you see people that are just kind of just so unhappy for, because they're comparing themselves, basically, to people that, you know, you're only seeing that one image of that person, you know. You don't know right. what happened beforehand or you know, what happens after. But you yourself, you're kind of judging yourself, you know, <laughs> to live up to a certain expectation that doesn't really exist. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like people just underestimate how important thinking is. Like, it matters what you're thinking about. I mean, because that's what we do most of the time. Yeah. No, that's who you are. Like, <laughs> yeah. what you think, so you will become. There's some oh, phrase yeah. like that. Huh. You know, what you think, so you will become. But, like, for example, one trap that I fall into on a frequent basis mm-hmm. is, and I can see the logic. You know, I can see the logic. This is, you'll, you'll start thinking about times you fucked up. Yeah. You know, I'll start thinking about so awkward social interactions that I've engaged in. Like, oh, that didn't go well. They didn't think yeah. I was cool there, you know? <laughs> Random nights where you just wake up all of a sudden, you're like, oh my God, what? Right. I did this wrong. <laughs> so I will start directing my attention to all the times that I've messed up yeah. to the neglect of all of the times that I did something good, right? So it's selective memory. Definitely. That's step one. Selective memory gives rise to this skewed self-conception of myself, a negative self-conception. I'm just focusing on the things that I've done bad. So now I start to think that I am that bad person. Again, to the complete disregard of all the good things that I've done, not even focusing on that. Oh, yeah. So now this skewed negative self-conception has formulated. So selective memory, negative self-conception, and then I start acting in accordance with that self-conception. And here's where the self-fulfilling prophecy comes in. I start acting in accordance with that self-conception and then I start to become that negative person that I actually wasn't until I believed that I was. It all starts with thinking. Yeah. It's like, no, you were never that person. But now you think you are, so you are. Yeah. So stop thinking about it. And the, thing, the, the interesting thing also about you know that what I is mean? that... Yeah, definitely. And then you also miss opportunities to pull yourself out of that thought, that yeah. thought bubble, you know? Someone gives you a compliment, oh, they didn't really mean it or something like that, you know? Right, yeah, because now you're just thinking <laughs> in accordance with yeah. that self-conception. Yeah, you can't get yourself you, out you of it. You look back at that and you're like, wait, that person was a co- that person gave me a compliment and you know I thought negative of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> this is just totally yeah. So, yeah. so it's literally just a vicious cycle of negative mental momentum. Yeah, definitely. It comes to, like I, I say this all the time, but there just comes a point where thinking more isn't the answer. 
You know, there comes a point, like a lot of times, like I'll stumble upon a problem in my head and I realize that I've gone through all of these mental gymnastics before and I've come out clean on the other side. Yeah. You know, so you can go through all the mental gymnastics again, Cody. You can get caught up in those knots in your head and then disentangle those knots through meticulous cognitive energy, right? And then only to, only to get back to where you are right now, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of going on that mental dive, yeah. just be present. Just be present, man. And it really solves everything. Like, uh, especially since you've introduced me to Sam Harris and- uh, Yeah, again. More of these guys. That's a great amount. They're, 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 they're great, man. But- yeah. I'm just a mouthpiece. <laughs> It definitely opened my eyes We're to geniuses. seeing these different things and just seeing these patterns yeah. that we fall into, you know, and how destructive they can be at, over time. Yeah, exactly. So this 2019, we're not going to allow that to happen anymore, right? No, bro. <laughs> we should definitely have a podcast at the end of this year, man. Yeah, we should. Stay healthy until then. We'll get a podcast going and then we'll talk about if we stay true to this because... I want to I make sure that we do. You know? Wait, so what? what? <laughs> Sorry, we said a lot. We bounced around. What exactly is our resolution? Just to be more mindful? To be more mindful? To be more in the moment? You know, Are we going to do... Try, try to be more positive, definitely. <laughs> are we going to do particular things? Like, are we, should we make a pact where we have to do particular things to try to hold ourselves accountable? All right. So you were talking about cooking, so... Yeah. I just buy way too much at the, food. At the end of the year, I bought so much stuff. Hopefully, become a better cook, and um, I'm gonna focus more on you know painting and stuff like that, and making art. So and at the end of the year, we'll have day. a party, and I'll paint. Yeah. And, sorry, <laughs> I'll cook. cook it. I'll cook as you paint for me. No, we'll. we'll I can just we'll, imagine it. We'll, right? show, we'll show. We'll take pictures of. Uh, you'll take pictures of the different things, the different recipes and stuff, and then I'll take uh, pictures of the paintings that I've, I've completed, and hopefully by the end of the year, they're just amazing. <laughs> I'm just imagining me like serving you salmon. It's a beautiful landscape. Why salmon, dude? It's the first thing that came to the first barrel that rushed into consciousness. Oh, no, no. It's a beautiful landscape dude, you got make, going make, there. Make some steaks, dude. We're, we're definitely gonna talk over steak. <laughs> Should we end it there? What else yeah, we let's got? end it there. To a great 2019. Um, hopefully, this year will be extremely amazing for both of us. You know. Finish the year off healthy, have our family members, healthy friends, you know, loved ones. Yeah. We're just getting started, Uzo. Just getting started, man. These annual meetups, dude. This is just beginning. They'll always just, you know, reprogram us to be better people for the upcoming year. <laughs> <laughs>